are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us your first listen every day single day and today i want to talk about some of the stuff i teased yesterday minor league wages minor league living conditions some of what's being negotiated with the cba some of where the current state of that it is changing for 2022 and then finally it's a really cool thing the cubs are doing this offseason to try to help some of their young prospects develop a little bit more and get to wrigley a little bit faster so first glad you're here thanks for joining us and when I talked about wages yesterday and I talked about money going to the players versus management in the CBA conversation, an important thing to understand is when you discuss the CBA and you're talking about the negotiations and what they're working on, you're not talking about minor leaguers. Uh, professional baseball players who are in the major leagues are part of the MLB Players Association. Minor leaguers are not represented by the union. And so they're in a completely different situation. So to kind of give you some context, the average value of an MLB franchise is $1.91 billion, billion with a B. So 190, you know, so a mil, like a billion is a million million. I mean, the average value of a franchise is a lot. And caveat, that's not in cash. It's not like they're sitting on $2 billion in cash. They're not Apple over here. Uh, but the franchises are worth a lot of money. And when you look at the MLB players, and part of the reason that this CBA negotiation is so important for the current players is the average salary and the median salary has come down for active MLB players. The average salary is $4.17 million. That's what it was in 2021. And that was actually down from what it was or what it prorated would have been in 2020 and then what it was in 2019. The median salary is $1.1 million. And when we're talking about minor leaguers, it's important to understand that they're in a completely different stratosphere from the millionaires of the players and the billionaires of the owners. The average minor league salary, I'm sorry, the minimum annual salary for a minor leaguer is $4,800. The median is $12,000 a year. $12,000. So for context, the federal poverty level, what the United States government considers you to be poor at, is $12,800. So they receive less in wages than somebody who the federal government has classified as in poverty. Again, the average MLB franchise value is almost $2 billion, billion with a B. And the median salary for a minor leaguer is $12,000. So here's how this kind of breaks down. And a thing to know about salaries for minor leaguers is the standard salaries are only paid during the regular season, the regular season in the minor leagues, and the playoffs. So in spring training, the players receive a per diem for food. Uh, they usually have a place to stay, but they're not paid for that. The off-season training that they do, not paid for. So if you're the lowest level guy, so before single A, you're at the the, the complex league, and that is... The spring training complex is in Florida and in Arizona, and there's leagues. This is, in essence, rookie ball. You get paid $400 a week. 
That is pre-tax, 400 a week pre-tax. And again, that's only while you are in season. You don't get paid anything out of season. Single A is $500 a week. Double uh, A is $600 a week. And triple A is $700 a week, which again, pre-tax. So $2,800 a month before you pay taxes. And then obviously you have to deal with everything else. So, and the wild thing about this is legally this is allowed. So baseball has an antitrust exemption. And that's another show uh, that I could go for 20 minutes about what the antitrust exemption is, why we have it, how we got it, and how it needs to change. If you're interested in hearing that, reach out to me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Reach out to the show Locked On Farm on Twitter. Let us know if you want to hear about that. I've had some people say, I would love to hear that. I've heard some people say, 20 minutes of legalese about why we have an antitrust exemption is not just me whatsoever. So just let me know how you feel. But uh, the antitrust exemption, in essence, allows the owners to collude on salaries and to set that salary across all of minor league. They can agree with one another, we're going to make this the salary, and that is it. There's no negotiation. You, you don't have the ability to go to another team to get a better deal. This is the salary. And then back in 2018, there was a law passed called Save America's Pastime Act of 2018. And what that, in essence, did was it said that baseball players in the minors are exempt from federal minimum wage and federal overtime laws. So they are not considered the same as a standard employee who, if they work more than 40 hours, you have to pay them time, time and a half. They are not required to be paid at least $7.25 an hour. You don't have to even track the hours of a minor league baseball player. You can require them to report to the field at 10, p- at 10 a.m., and be there all day for a 7 p.m. game, and they get paid the same where they show up at 10, at noon, at 2, at 4. They get paid the exact same. So uh, part of so, so part of what happens here is those wages are set very, very low relative to the rest of MLB. Uh, like I said, 400 a week up to $700 a week. And the reason that all of this happens is there's a thing that every – minor league player signs after they they're drafted. It's called the uniform player contract. It's the same for every single minor league player because it is uniform across all of MLB. And there's a couple things that this contract does that probably in a perfect world needs to get changed. So the first thing is that, that it does is the uniform player contract binds a player to the organization for seven seasons. Now, when they get to the 40-man roster and they show up in MLB and they start accruing service time, that, that's not the seven years we're talking about. This is seven years in the minors. Your first seven years in the minor leagues, you have no option but to play for this one team. And if you're one of the rare players that is a, a quad A player, that's you top out at AAA and you make it to free agency, you'll see those players, those minor league free agents will actually make significant money. We'll see some of them sign deals for $600,000 to come play in AAA for a year because that's a guy you can call up in an emergency to to come help out with your major league team. And that's a guy you know you can use to fill the roster out in AAA. But you are stuck with that organization for seven seasons before you can move anywhere. And then the thing that really hurts with the uniform player contract is the organization, the, the the team you're part of, has all of the rights to your name, image, and likeness. And if you have paid any attention to college sports in the last year or since June 1st, 
you know how important the name, image, and likeness rights are. Uh, college players now can get paid for their name, image, and likeness. And so they can do a commercial for a local company. They can be paid to appear in front of the media. They can like they can get compensated for their name and photos of them and for them doing joint events. Minor league players can't do that. Minor league players can be required via the uniform player contract to show up to endorsements, to show up to promotional events, but they don't receive extra compensation unless the team decides to give them extra compensation. The team can force them to do it. It is a part of their uniform player contract. And in the perfect world, that's something we change. And the reason the uniform player contract is so powerful in minor league baseball as compared to other sports is because there's no union representation in minor league baseball. So hockey has a minor league. Soccer has a minor league. Basketball has a minor league. And all of those, the players in those minor leagues are represented by a union that has collectively bargained for different rights, for wage, for working conditions, and all of that. But because minor league baseball does not have a player's union, uh, MLB can unilaterally change any sort of rules, regulations, anything like that, without the input or the consent of the players. We've seen the reports about the robo-umps. They're trying the robo-umps. We saw the reports about they tried moving the mound back last year. They can go into a minor league and they can say, we are making this change, and there is nothing you can do about it. The very next day, you could be required to throw, instead of 60 feet, 6 inches, to be to throw from 61 feet, 6 inches. Or you could be required to play two seven-inning doubleheaders every day. I mean, they can make any of these changes unilaterally because there is no union that has to agree to anything involving working conditions of the minor leaguers. So that is something, in a, again, in a perfect world that we're going to try to change. We're going to try to find a way to to let them get a new fresh start. Uh, but speaking of a new fresh start, it is the new year and the new year means new year's resolutions. And if yours, if you want to talk about getting fit, eating healthier, things like that, you've got to include built bar in your plan. Built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I think it's better than a candy bar because it's covered hundred percent real chocolate and it's got 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. Most candy bars, 200 plus calories, not a lot of protein to speak of. Tons of sugar, dozens of carbs. Not as good for you. So do what I did. I went on to Built.com, uh, like Monday, I think it was. Uh, went on there, bought a variety pack. It's got two of every flavor, like of all of the standard flavors they have. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, all of that stuff. And then while I was there, I was able to check out the list of the limited time flavors they have, like Rocky Road, or there's a churro flavor right now. Don't know what's don't know what that's going to taste like. I obviously I know churros taste like cinnamon, but I want to try it. So while you're checking out this, the the uh, on the website, while you're checking that out, go to um, use promo code locked fifteen to get fifteen percent off your first order at built.com. That's promo code locked fifteen at built.com. <clears throat> so when we talk about minor league wages and working conditions, and we talk about like what it, like that it's not good, what are they asking for? What are the players asking for? There's actually an, an organization that is leading the charge on this. It's called Advocates for Minor Leaguers. It was founded back in 2020 by some former minor league players. Uh, some of them are lawyers now. Some of them work in the media, different places. But they founded this organization 
to work directly on these issues. You can actually follow them on Twitter at MILB Advocates. So minor league baseball, MILB Advocates on Twitter. You can follow them and see what they're up to. But they, talking to minor leaguers in a confidential setting, they came up with what they're calling the Minor League Baseball Bill of Rights. And these are the things that the players are asking to be changed uh, so that they can better take care of these minor leaguers. There's six items on this list. Number one, pay weekly salaries all year, not just in the season. And that's because the players are in the UPC. They're required to be training, to be in shape, to to continue their development even outside of the season. Like they're required at any time. They can ask you to come in. They can They can drug test you. They can ask you to come in and do work. And you have to be in playing shape. They can, they can decide to send you to the Dominican for the summer league or the winter league. Sorry, winter league. So yeah, you have to, you're, you're in essence, you're working year round, but you're only paid in the season. And again, it's that 400 to 700 a week that you're making. So thing number one, pay weekly salaries all year. There should be no periods of free work. They should get paid in spring training. They should get paid while they're doing conditioning over the, over the winter break. If they have to go to the Dominican or somewhere to play over the winter, they should get paid for that. Number two is provide or cover the cost of in-season housing. And this is really big because it's very often where minor league players are promoted or reassigned affiliates mid-season. And so up until now, the players were on their own to figure out lodging. And so in every minor league ball um, town, you would see apartments that say it's a three-bedroom apartment and there would be eight or nine guys living there and they're sleeping on mattresses or sleeping bags that were crashing together and guys would come in and out somebody got promoted from single a to double a they joined this group somebody from double a moved up triple a they would leave this group and you'd kind of have stuff like that and the players are all splitting the cost there was reports came out i think it was in 2020 about players who would get promoted to AAA, but they still have a lease in AA and they're still paying for that, that housing, uh, things like that. Or guys who would have to like, say, sleep in their car because they were in the middle of moving, couldn't find arrangements yet. So uh, thing number two on the minor league baseball bill of rights was provide or cover the cost of in-season housing. And September 21st of last year, MLB announced that beginning this year, free furnished housing would be required or would be provided by all major league teams for the minor league affiliates. So we don't necessarily know yet what that's going to look like. You would think they're probably going to rent off apartments. They may work out an arrangement with like a hotel or something, but they are required to provide free furnished housing to all minor league players in their system during the season. So that's a win. That's the first win that minor league players have essentially ever gotten when it comes to working conditions or salaries. So that's all from the work of Advocates for Minor Leaders. Again, at MILB Advocates on Twitter. Go check out what they're doing. Sign up to their newsletter. They're really the leading voice when it comes to taking care of minor league players. Thing number three on the Bill of Rights is provide or cover the cost of three meals per day during the season. As it is now, uh, up until 2020, players had to give a portion of their salary every week to the club, to the clubbies and the clubbies would go and coordinate food for everybody. And the clubbies aren't paid very well. So they'd keep a cut for themselves too. So you're taking people who don't make a lot of money, having to give some of their money to people who also don't make a lot of money. And then they're having to buy food for everybody. 
there's a better way to do it. Am I, uh, Major League Baseball told teams they were going to need to, to improve that situation. They were not very specific about it, but we've seen a lot of teams, the Oakland Athletics most notably, were actually called out publicly by a player uh, and committed publicly to taking care of that food. So the Bill of Rights says three meals per day during the season, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or I guess depending on when you come in, it's like a early lunch and a late lunch and an after-game snack or something, but three meals per day in season. Number four was provide multiple buses for a road trip and then sleeper buses on an overnight road trip. Oftentimes you'll see teams, they're taking 20-something guys, they'll get one bus. And so everybody's crammed into a seat. If you're traveling overnight, you're trying to sleep on the bus. It's cramped, it's crowded, you're not in a great sleeping position, you don't get a lot of rest. And so that's a working condition thing. They said if we have to travel for work, give us at least the space to have, you know, seats to ourselves on the bus. And then if we need to take an overnight trip, we can sleep on the bus and it's set, it's configured for that. So we get better sleep. Makes sense. Number five was assist players with transporting their car to a new affiliate if reassigned and players without a car, give them a way to get to and from the field each day. This is something you hear about a lot where a guy gets reassigned. Let's use the Braves for for example. Double A, is in Mississippi. Triple A is in Gwinnett near Atlanta. And so if a guy gets promoted from double A AA to triple A, they put him on a plane and they fly him there. Well, his car is back in Mississippi. It's back in Biloxi. Or they bring him straight up from double A to the Braves in Atlanta. His vehicle is back home. And so he has to pay, not back home, back in Mississippi. So he has to pay to have the vehicle shipped to Atlanta or to wherever the team is on the road. So what they're saying is if you're going to call a player up and you're going to fly them up up there, you need to handle getting their car transported to the to there because that's a surprisingly high cost. That can add up really quickly. And then the last thing was cover the cost of off-season training. Because like we said, according to the uniform player contract, the players are required to be in game shape to stay in shape during the offseason and if they don't live near the team's affiliate or they don't have a place to do that they have to pay for access to a private facility during the winter so that they can work out pitchers will have to pay for a you know a place that has batting that has cages they can throw in hitters have to pay for a place that's got obviously batting cages machines things like that they can throw off of, or they're going to a high school and they're playing against high scores. If they're trying to get a professional grade training regimen in, they need to have access to a facility and the teams, if the teams are going to require them to stay in shape, the teams need to pay for that. And there's actually some great news about what the Chicago Cubs are doing on that front uh, because they're trying to make sure that their guys have that off-season training taken care of because they understand that this is a new season and a new season is a new chance to start over. And Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year. We're continuing our march through the NFL playoffs. Last uh, last weekend's games were fantastic. We had three games that ended on a walk off field goal. The fourth game was a walk off um, was a walk off touchdown in overtime. I mean, that was absolutely wild, and it hurts my heart a little bit that and the NFL is having such great games and such great moments while baseball is in the middle of a lockout because it makes baseball look even worse by comparison. But if you want to 
to find a way to root for one of the four teams left in the playoffs and you want to find a way to be invested, go to Bet Online. It's the number one spot for all your sports wagering action for 2022, whether it's the football playoffs, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC. You can check out all the amazing offers they have for 2022. So just go to betonline.ag, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Again, it's a 50% welcome bonus, the promo code locked on, because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, because Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Cubs are doing this really cool thing, like I said, uh, where they have an off season training program in their Sloan Park facility in Mesa, Arizona. And we've seen some teams do a brief thing before. The Red Sox have a like little four day mini camp that they're doing. But this is a, a much bigger deal what the Cubs are doing. So it's in Mesa, Arizona, so where they do spring training at their Sloan Park facility. And it started in November, and it's going all the way through February. And what the Cubs are doing is they are covering the training facility cost, the housing, the meals, the transportation, and the staffing for the facility. It's The cost comes out to somewhere around half a million dollars, which is more than the salaries of these of these 30 players during the season, during the minor league season. That's more than they're paying for these players to play. Uh, I mean, they're getting furnished apartments close to the complex. They're getting breakfast and lunch. They get meal money to cover their own dinners. They get flights home for the holidays. They flew them home for Thanksgiving. They flew them home for Christmas. That was all covered by the team. They've got 30 players in there. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a who's who of Cubs prospects. There's their running, their reigning minor league pitcher of the year, DJ Hers. Um, Ed Howard, he's the, t- the 2020 first round pick they took out of a Chicago area high school. And then a lot of the prospects they got in the Padres and Yankees and Giants deals. You know, the the U Darvish deal with the Padres, the uh, the Rizzo deal with the Yankees, and the Chris Bryant deal with the Giants. And this is the thing that I I wondered what took so long for something like this. Because you look at like look at the NFL, and the NFL has they have rookie mini camps and they have different organized team activities throughout the summer where all of the guys come to the facility, they work out, they condition together, they do some drills. And I it never it never made sense to me why you would take a a, a college guy who has year-round access to state-of-the-art training facilities, nutrition, all of that, and then just kind of throw them into the minor leagues where they're going to live in poverty, uh, you know, where they're, they're going to live three or four to a bedroom or sleep out of their car, then, then they have to go home for four months and work out on their own. Like, it would be such a competitive advantage to take care of these guys during the season and during the offseason. And we've seen now minor league teams have to provide housing beginning this upcoming season. But it just, it it like, these players should be looked at and treated as investments in the success of the big league club. And right now they're not. And I never understood why major league baseball teams didn't do things like this before. It seems to me like, like the analogy would be getting like getting your own NASCAR team. And between races, you just like the driver just went home and like played racing simulator video games or like drove fast on the highway to try to train for the games. And the truck or the car just sat there and then you just like assumed it was going to be good to go on Sunday. Like I never understood why minor league, why major league baseball teams didn't put more of an investment into this. And I said it was half a million dollars. It's less than the salary of all of these guys for the season. 
it's cheaper to do this than it is to double all of their salaries next year. And this gives these guys, uh, these young guys, I mean, they're all like 19, 20, 21, 22. Their, their Dominican prospects are coming in January and then a little bit some in February. So they're kind of trickling them in. But it gives these young players that you've, in, and some of these guys, you've invested millions of dollars in draft bonuses in. And so you're giving them, like you're providing them a structured environment where you can make sure that they're developing the way that you need them to so that you can rely on them when it's time for them to come to the major leagues. I never understood why teams didn't do this sooner. And I think especially if the Cubs get good uh, good results from this camp and get good, good performances from these guys, you're going to see this take off across baseball. You're going to see these major league teams say, I mean – this is the gate revenue from what one series. I mean, we'll make half a million dollars in gate revenue from one sold like one sold out four game series. Like let's let's take this and let's get all of these top prospects in a structured environment so that we can make sure they're developing the way we need them to so that they're ready when it's time to play. So I hope this goes well. I'm gonna be tracking the Cubs prospects pretty closely this year because I want this to work. I want minor league players to be seen as the investment that they are. And I want these teams to invest financially in their success, like the teams invested financially in the rights to get those players in the first place. So hopefully that works out, but uh, the Cubs are doing this and I'm curious to see what teams follow suit. I think the Yankees may do something like this soon. We actually, tomorrow's show is actually going to be uh, with Stacey Gasulius from Locked On Yankees, and we're going to be talking Yankees minor league system. We're going to be talking about uh, their players, what's what we're looking at. You know, Justin Dominguez, some of those guys, what they're going to be doing, and and how they're hopefully going to contribute to New York's success this year. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, Locked On Movie Prospects is free and available on all podcast platforms every single day. If you're watching on YouTube, whether you're a subscriber or not, please like the video. Leave a comment if you'd like. If you want to reach out to the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can e- or you can email LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. This has been Locked On MLB Prospects.